The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features ensure that you can take on any adventure. What kind of features? Well, how about the available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud? Or the standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together? How about available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone? We're always trying to think about those great spring and summer getaways, but with a car like the Hyundai Santa Fe, anywhere can be your next adventure. To learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe, go to HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for complete details. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast. Here on CBS Sports, that's Tom Fernelli, that's Danny Cannell, that's Bud Elliott, I'm Chip Patterson, coming to you live at YouTube.com slash Cover 3, and everywhere you get your podcasts on demand, thanks for hanging out, smash that subscribe, smash that like, and come and join us in the chat, aka the Cover 3 tailgate, where, yes, Ryan, we hear you. Chop, chop, lawyer boy, bud. We are going to need uh, Bud Elliott's legal expertise because, among many things, and yes, as you see by the um, the thumbnail on YouTube, the headline uh, in your feed, our main order of business is to finally put a bow on the coaching carousel, a carousel that went all the way back to July with Pat Fitzgerald being dismissed and was finally buttoned up Last Friday uh, with Sharon Moore, extensive coaching carousel, uh, lots of movement. So we're going to be talking about uh, coaching carousel superlatives, you know, ways to highlight uh, some of the biggest storylines, some of the most interesting hires and the talking points for some of these coaches, which will be heading into their first year in 2024. But initially, the thought was, okay, we'll talk about Tennessee facing some NCAA violations, Oh, no, but we've got outright war now. That's right, because the state of Tennessee, joined by the state of Virginia, filed a lawsuit against the NCAA. Now, you might remember that. <laughs> thank you, producer Jordan, who I, I'd already told him he's a, he's got full message board brain. I mean, he is ready to go into a holy war, a crusade right now for all that is right and just. 
We know that 10 different states plus the Department of Justice plus the District of Columbia have an ongoing lawsuit against the NCAA antitrust in nature over transfer rules. Now this is just straight up against all NIL rules. So, Bud, before we get into the the violations, I want to talk about what's sort of like here on our desk this morning on Wednesday. When you see this legal action from the state of Tennessee, from the state of Virginia, how do you see this in terms of the long game? Like, can you place us not necessarily within the, the text, unless, of course, that's important to you, but what exactly is happening here uh, between Tennessee and the NCAA? Sure. So, uh, Pat Forty reported yesterday for Sports Illustrated that the NCAA uh, was investigating and I guess had some, you know, maybe a forthcoming uh, notice of allegations against the University of Tennessee for uh, NIL related activities, uh, Spire Sports, who we've actually had on the show. Uh, to explain how a collective works before. And uh, it came out that it, it's about the, the Nico uh, Imalieva situation, which was, was a pretty uh, public uh, reporting done, you know, $8 million allegedly uh, type thing uh, back in like 2022, I believe mm-hmm. it was. <clears throat> um, so March, March of 2022, I believe is what we're, uh, what we're circling for that. So Tennessee is, and I think that they are, it's important to note here that they, I believe are still on probation for the Jeremy Pruitt stuff that they used to turn in Jeremy Pruitt and you know fire him for cause uh, to get out of paying this buyout. So they they have some real skin in the game here to not get hit with a repeated violator thing, and they are firing back in, in a pretty uh, substantial way. They are saying, "Hey, what we did was legal now, but it certainly was legal at the time that we engaged in it." Uh, the collective uh, did not strike the deal with Nico contingent on him attending any school. Uh, they struck it in California uh, under California law, which allows high schoolers to be paid NIL. And uh, basically, NCAA, you can't have your cake, which is we don't want to really put any rules on NIL because we want to delay you know, kids becoming employees for as long as possible. And hey, uh, throw our hands up. We're helpless. Can't have your cake and eat it too, which is enforce ambiguous and ever-changing rules. So Tennessee's like, hey, yeah, we're, we're not going to get punished over stuff that you didn't make any rules for, which is your own fault for not making the rules, although they are sort of one of the member schools. Uh, so in some very small way, the fact that we don't have NIL rules is also a result of the schools. And uh, today, the state of Tennessee, uh, joined by the state of Virginia, is suing the NCAA, which I suggested they should do yesterday on Twitter, uh, that eventually somebody's going to say, hey, like, there's a fundamental right to earn a living via NIL, just as there's a right to earn a living in many other ways that are legal, and uh, you, the NCAA, with these rules and trying to enforce them, is engaging in anti-competitive behavior, which is a violation of the Sherman Antitrust Act. Uh, thus, we are suing you in federal court. And if I had to guess here, I'm going to bet that we'll have other states join as well, uh, because that's kind of what happened. That, that, that's what happened in the West Virginia case, which is uh, what is currently happening, as Chip mentioned, with the regulation in terms of the number of transfers. Again, can you put non-compete type things on people that in the same filing you're saying are not employees? Probably not, right? So, I mean, throughout the course of human history, people have fought really hard to keep their labor unpaid, right? Mm. Like, I mean, you know, the NCAA, that's what the NCAA is doing here. They want to make sure people don't get paid. And they're eventually going to lose. I just, I think the question is when. Okay, so that's the big picture. Yeah. Danny, do you think that 
do you think Tennessee's going about this like the 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 right way? Like, do you how when you when we get the word that um because look the NCAA does not comment often on ongoing investigations, but boy we, we got we got some leaky faucets where we can get a sense of sort of like what's going on with the NCAA. The NCAA is trying to be tough right now. Do you think they've got any any good angle here to try to create some problems for Tennessee in a way that would jeopardize um, Josh Heupel, Nico Iamalieva, or sort of what is a bright future for the Vols football program? This is kind of similar to the what happened when Florida State sued the ACC. Remember what we said? All the other ACC schools should be happy that they're doing the dirty work, right? They're taking the risk, putting their name out there, and trying to see what they can do. It's essentially what's happening here with Tennessee and Virginia and the NCAA. They're going to sue and we're going to find out. And I don't think the NCAA has a leg to stand on. Like my first reaction with some of these, um, you know, investigations when Florida State came down with some penalties, it's kind of pissed off. Like, why is the NCAA doing this? Why are they trying to legislate this? And then my reaction came, yeah, bring more of them and see what happens. Because now you're going to see what happens with them trying to enforce, trying to wield any power, yield any power that they still have, which is none. Like, I think this is the beginning of the end for the NCAA, which I do think is a good thing. And when I said that yesterday on Twitter, some people were like, well, oh, you're okay with cheating. No, I'm not okay with cheating because, I mean, they're like, don't you want it to be cleaned up? Don't you want everything above board? It's impossible to do it above board when there really are no rules. And going back to the original case, like these are only guidelines. How is the NCA enforcing guidelines? Like I give my daughters guidelines all the time. You think they're going to follow them? No, they're like suggestions. Of course people are going to toe the line and they're going to push the envelope. And at least we can get out of this sham of a system because I I don't want to just say Tennessee is not guilty of anything. They're doing what everybody is doing, but it's all a sham. Like everyone knew Nico was going to Tennessee. Everyone threw out the $8 million because it was. Everyone else has been doing it too. But then all of a sudden you're going to come down and try to enforce these rules and not do it to everybody. Let's get all on the same page where we have a system where there's a clear set of rules, not or a clear salary cap or a clear workforce to Bud's point where we can actually have some regulation, some continuity where it's a level playing field where everybody can at least have a chance in this competition. Is it a level playing field ever? Not right now. Yeah. No, no. Well, I, I don't think it ever will be among. Yeah. When has it ever been a level playing field? What, what was it right. legal for? Uh, was it level for certain schools to hide a bunch of people who didn't know how to bowl or didn't know how to swim on scholarships for those sports, right? To, to skirt scholarship limits. What, what I mean, some of your very best programs of like the 2010s or 2000s really damn good at just handing out weekly cash payments and keeping it quiet, right? Like it, this, I think this idea of a level playing field is kind of a farce. I also, what, why is it cheating to compensate the players? Like we don't call well, no, bro, I'm going by, I'm saying I don't have a problem with what Tennessee did because everybody's doing it, but it's a sham because their defense is, well, there was never an agreement. I mean, we all know there was an agreement, right? Like we're not in 
Like, we're not going to believe this defense, right? I mean, it's what they have to say. But we know why players are getting paid money. It is not because you have a following and it's because of your name, image, and likeness. It's because you're a football player and you're coming to play for your school. That's the sham that I want to end. If we're going to pay them, let's pay them to be football players. And let's have agreements in place where you can regulate rosters, where you can have some form of like just regulation that allows coaches to manage rosters that allows you to keep track of who's coming, who's going. And it's not just this complete bleep show that we have going on right now, which no one knows what's going to happen. So, yeah, I, I think Tennessee's or Jules question here, isn't Tennessee biting the hands that feeds it? Uh, if Tennessee wins this case, it just gets players closer to becoming employees and all these schools just took a massive hit uh, to their bottom lines. I, as I said at the open, like Tennessee has real skin in this game. If, if they just roll over and let the NCAA do the penalties because they're they're in, in jeopardy of getting the repeat violator thing due to what happened with the Jeremy Pruitt situation. So they they have real impetus to, to to sue here. And I think it's important to note that like the school of Tennessee's defense, the University of Tennessee's defense, is likely to be different than, than what the state's case is. Right. right. And that's so, the thing that's so interesting to me. And like I don't <clears throat> this might be uh more of a uh, April, May, June kind of conversation to really unpack it. But right now you have college football coaches that are screaming for any kind of regulation on what they see as, you know, just all these players being able to do what they want while you have state attorneys generals and state houses and state governments that are saying restricting any of that movement and any of that ability to make NIL is anti-competitive. So coaches want more regulation while legislators are actually asking for less and it's all coming to a head right now in cases like this and in the case like the West Virginia case because I, I was speaking to somebody at a power conference who works at, at, in an athletic department and he was, he was very passionate. He was like, we need antitrust exemption. We need to get an antitrust exemption from the federal government so that we can put in rules so that we can actually you know, solidify this. And like one interpretation of that as I was on the phone with them was I was like, oh, so you just want to strip all the players of their rights. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to go really well right now in the current environment. But that is the, the fight that we have is our players allowed to choose where they want to go to school. Are players allowed to be make money off of their skills and their talents? And there are a lot of people who are like coaches, and I don't want to put this on all coaches because a lot of coaches have been very open-minded about it, but coaches want there to be more restrictions on all both of those things while there is growing sentiment in high positions, state government and the like, that want less of those things and it's kind of fascinating the way that they're all butting heads right now so where you could have some interesting um bipartisanship is with this tennessee lawsuit against the ncaa because i think you'll have some states that really really care about winning join in and i think you'll have some states that really really care about players rights regardless of winning join in as well right so like you maybe you get some Northern states who don't even California have and Tennessee start holding hands and all this. That's right. Like, hey, what world with our interests alive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and you mentioned cases. I mean, we, we have we have the House case out there mm -hmm. that is is the one that I think everybody who works in athletics administration is is watching very closely because that's your that's your back nil case, right? That basically, hey, we were owed this. Your rules prevented it, and the settlement could be 
three bill. Yeah, right. It, it, it could be serious, serious settlement money for a lot of these schools. And whenever that goes down, that's probably the uh, one of the key you know, kind of breakaway points. Do, do you want to play at this level or, or do you not type thing? Um, but yeah, I, ultimately, if you're the NCAA, you're kind of doing the justify your existence thing. So they, and, and a lot of their member schools probably do want them to do something, but a lot of those member schools probably don't try to compete at the championship level in revenue sports. So, yeah. A lot of states that are always complaining about big government suddenly want the government to get involved in their football teams. It's kind of, it's kind of interesting to see what brings them out. A bunch of bunch of socialists down in the SEC but, who want the but government they, they, but, the but they want the legislation to be done by, by the bench, not 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 by laws. Look at that. But here's what here's why I don't I don't want to make it sound like I want government to win. I want people to wake up that are in charge, realize what's at risk, and separate. That's what I want to happen is to say, you know what, enough. Like enough of this, enough handing it over to politicians, enough having this fought in court. We're wasting money. Let's separate. We've talked about it. When football can become its own sport, its own entity, when it be- you can regulate itself, have a commissioner, have a union. Like it already feels like the minor league NFL. Let's just make it minor league NFL and we can get to that place. Like Trip in the uh, comment section, he put, you know, it's just an inefficient market. It was back up there a while ago. People, everybody's freaking out about NLI because yeah, it's just an inefficient That's why private equity market. wants in. Right. But what I'm saying is that the NIL isn't the finished market. The whole thing is inefficient. The whole thing is broken. It's not inefficient. It's broken because NIL in the truest sense of the word isn't even what we're talking about. Let's get it above board where we know what players are being paid. What type of contracts are they signing so that you can have more continuity and you can have, again, like roster semblance and you could have a salary cap. Like, let's get to that point because I think we're going to get there in 10, 15 years. Eventually this, I hope this lawsuit, I hope gets us there sooner. Is that, do you think that's, do you think that's more or less likely to make that happen? This lawsuit? I think it, it is considerably likely that, that right. it speeds up the timetable. What's that timetable look like? Six months. No, um, maybe three, four years. Yeah, yeah. At least. I've got. Nothing, nothing in courts ever moves quick. Right. And, you know, the. Doesn't benefit the lawyers if it does. But as opposed to waiting for the courts to figure it out. can I guess, I mean, it's hard. It's hard to just separate and say, let's go this year. You have to figure a lot more out. But. Yeah, because you. You would then need to create another thing another entity where but danny I'm, I'm with you you would be employees you know and you would have contracts and you would have a union and you would collectively bargain um all the different pieces that could be, and there are you know a lot of people like the the pac-12 case right now you know uh, usc ucla national labor relations board that's gonna pick up I think maybe this week, if not here in the next couple of weeks in terms of moving that on down the line, there are individuals who have been imagining, you know, what it could look like where you have collective bargaining in college football and in revenue sports. So I I would hope that whenever you get all the like paperwork figured out, I would hope that there's a structure that could be proposed because yes, that, that is the future. I mean, and bud, like help me out on this. If you have 
union representation, collectively bargained payment, contracts, uh, all those things. We don't need to worry about antitrust exemptions at that point, correct? Uh, yeah, th that actually is pretty likely that you would not need it. Um, yeah, I, I'm trying to think here. Yeah, I, I think you have that right, Jeff. All right, so Cody, you do you are hitting a good one here. Based on this conversation, I think it's clear billable hours should be ranked number one in the preseason <laughs> AP poll. That's great. It's the off season, great. baby. That's uh, that it seems whether you're suing a conference or suing the NCAA, that's uh, that that seems to be the the lawyers are the ones that are that are picking up the big off season wins uh, year in and year out. <laughs> that is true. T Tennessee's fight song does have that. I well, mm -hmm. One other thing is we, we use the phrase like the end of the NCAA, but, but I don't think that's necessarily accurate. Okay. It's, the NCAA is currently constituted. Right. They you, can do what they were originally originally created to do was run college athletics. Correct. Yeah. they're But put on championships, which they don't run football's championship. It's the only I think it's the only sport they don't run, right? Like they're very good at, at doing what their purpose is, which is to keep all the money away from the athletes at, at any cost, to keep it all for themselves. Like that's the main purpose. That's why they formed it. That's why they came up with the term student athletes. And number two, to administer your championships for postseason for non-football. Like that's their two of their main things, and then mm. like some administrative duties, obviously. So Tennessee uh, again facing an investigation into um, violation of NIL guidelines from the NCAA. No notice of allegations yet. No knowledge in terms of the specifics of what they would be charged with, who all would be involved. But uh, the state of Tennessee already responding with a lawsuit against the NCAA. Uh, winner, big winners here, billable hours. Coming up on the other side. Got the Big 12 schedule release. So, yeah, we'll get a little bit of football talk in and an amended complaint from Florida State to the ACC. We'll ask for a quick note from uh, from Bud Elliott Esquire uh, before we get into the coaching carousel. Superlatives next. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, Roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 
back here on the Cover 3 podcast. Let's take a little break from billable hours and, and at least talk a little football here. Uh, Big 12 released their schedule on Wednesday night. It gives us the first look at the new look Big 12. We knew some of the opponents, home and away splits and the like, but now we've got the full um, run of the uh, the slate in terms of how the different dates fall, your toughest stretches, your easier stretches. Tom, um, first glance at that new Big 12 schedule, what really stood out to you? Nothing, like, really stood out to me. I mean, it's just – it's it's an entirely new league. So it's like you're looking for certain games. The fact that there really aren't a lot of protected rivalries, but then at the same time, it's like what rivalries are left to protect for the most part considering you've got all these new schools coming in. But it's just – the thing that really stood out to me in the end – was I have no idea. It's the same thing I knew before. I have no idea who's going to win this league. Like you look at the schedule, that's the one area of interest in it. Trying to see who's got who at home, who's got who away, trying to figure out which one of these programs is kind of quote unquote getting it easy. But I don't think anybody's really getting it easy in this league because all these teams are mostly on the same tier. So yeah. And as Isaac said in the chat, rip Farmageddon. That is one thing that I did notice. That game's no longer on yeah. schedule. That's kind of crappy because that's a fun game. That's a fun rivalry. But, yeah, it's it's just weird to see these teams playing each other. And if I could just – there was the one tweet from Reddit CFB yesterday, which really amused me. This is – the following are all conference games to occur during the same week next season. All right? Okay. SMU Duke. Wake Forest Stanford. West Virginia Arizona. BYU UCF, Cincinnati, Colorado, Utah, Houston, Illinois, Oregon, Rutgers, USC, Washington, Indiana, Oklahoma, Ole Miss, and Texas Vandy. Those are all conference games in the same week next year. I saw I I did not know prior to the schedule release, and like this is my fault for not picking up on the details of it or remembering um the, the stadium construction issues, but Kansas. Kansas is playing all of its Big 12 home games at Arrowhead. Mm-hmm. Non-conference games will be played at Children's Mercy Park. But if you take out that aspect of they're not going to have you know all the home games uh, like they would right there in Lawrence, kind of favorable draw. I mean, yes, at Kansas State on there, October 26th, that's going to be a little bit difficult. But when you think about some of those other teams that we expect to be up in that top tier, I do not see a Utah, a do not see an Arizona, the Jayhawks in a year where we're putting Kansas also in that top group, Kansas can't play Kansas and the like. I, I kind of feel like you, the home home stadium thing put to the side, um, Kansas might have a, a spot where if seven and two is going to win the big 12 or seven, two is going to get you to the big 12 title game. I see a slate where Kansas can, should de- be able to navigate it and get to seven and two. Who? Possibly, but I, I, the biggest thing to take away from Kansas' schedule is it's, since they're playing at Arrowhead, it's too bad that Cincinnati is not coming to Kansas because then maybe Taylor and Travis would have shown up for the game. <laughs> <laughs> or you could have the mayor of Cincinnati talk smack again and then look foolish. <laughs> um, what? What is Lindenwood? <laughs> that was the first thing I took away from Kansas' schedule. Has anybody ever seen a Lindenwood on a schedule, you have who's Illinois who basketballs played? played them a few. Yeah, yeah. Oh, if, if you, you got go. if you got basketball, you've seen it early in the season. Is yeah. this a new program? I I swear I like never seen this before on a football schedule. They're, aren't they in Missouri? 
Yeah, yes. they're in Missouri. Branson, right? Yeah. Is that where they are? But I had no Is idea what that school was. Somewhere in Missouri. Hmm. They better win that game. Uh, they just jumped up. They just jumped up to the FCS in 2022. Uh, they became active members in 2023. Ohio Valley Conference members. Um, it looks like somebody's got a lot of money into trying to make Lindenwood football move up from NAIA to the FCS level. Hey, yeah. we got ourselves a Liberty situation on our hands. Watch out, Jayhawks. The first thing I thought of when I saw the schedule was kind of the same reaction I had with the ACC. It's not the SEC or the Big Ten. You know, like it's just there is what a What are the huge games? Yeah. Right. That There aren't any like blockbuster games. In, and I would say at least the ACC had a couple non-cons like that you're going to get, like Clemson, Georgia, because you're going to play some of those. Oklahoma State plays Arkansas. That was one. Um, I don't know, but uh, – like where are the big blockbuster games to Tom's point? There just aren't many. And I think that's really going to hurt both of these conferences trying to get two teams in like good luck trying to get two teams. in. it's probably just going to be the conference champ. No, I, I, I think the ACC will get two teams in the like, ACC fairly. has a chance. ACC big 12. Big 12 yeah. We will see. Um, look, if, if you, if you're a good team and you run good and you, and, and you go, you go twelve and one, but you lose the conference title game. I, I, I think you would get in. Hell, TCU made a fourteen playoff doing that mm-hmm. just two years ago. So I, I yeah, I, I don't. I, now I think three or four would be very difficult in, in many years, uh, but I, I do think that that two is is. I, I don't think two is impossible uh, at all. I think really. two is the max the Big Twelve or ACC are going to get. Yeah, I wouldn't mm-hmm. love the ACC and the Big 12 together because, like, to me, the I'm, ACC... I'm not, has, but I just... They, but they have three teams that actually compete for national titles. The Big 12 has zero. Yeah. I mean, like, there's a real clear line in terms of, like, the quality of player of the... Not of the average team in the conference, but of the top teams in the conference. There is a real athleticism difference. If you compare, like, a Clemson, Florida State, Miami to whatever you want to throw out from the Big 12. Like, it is... It's different. Now, the average teams, no. It, it's probably actually advantage Big 12. I think the Big 12's middle is better than the ACC's middle in some cases. Mm. Yeah, but like Going back to what we were talking about a second ago, though, like with the big games, like think about it this way. Big 12's TV deal you know, is like with, with Fox. What and game? ESPN. It's both. And ESPN. But what ESPN's never going to do it. But what game on that schedule did you look at and say, okay, that's the big noon Saturday game? Dion. Colorado, North Dakota, week one. <laughs> Maybe or Colorado at Nebraska in like week two, right? But it's like but outside they're of a, they're a touchdown favorite over North Dakota State. Like <laughs> if they lose that one. game, then Big Noon going to Nebraska for Nebraska Colorado looks kind of silly. Like they better win that. Mm-hmm. It's just it's it's like outside of the Dion factor, there isn't a game on this schedule to me that screams okay, that's the big game of the weekend. I think you'll see more Big Noon later in the season. When you have certain teams that are off to that seven zero eight zero start, and then it's big noon because of the ranking next to their name in the polls. But you're meaning probably going to be a bigger Big, big Ten game that same week, yes. right? They got to go a couple times to Big Ten, and it'll probably be Colorado. And it'll probably if they're one and zero, they'll get it out of the way early. You know how sometimes when we're doing our Wednesday shows with big game breakdown, we end up kind of doing like a medium game breakdown or just running through other things that are interesting. Yep. Big 12 games are going to show up in the medium game segment in like every week. I'm going to be sitting here beating the table on October, the going into October 26th, where I'm like, y'all, 
Utah at Houston is a really good game, okay? We're talking about Kyle Whittingham's defense against Willie Fritz. I mean, there's some salt going on in this game, but I'm not going to be able to sell that. You know, like, it's not like the breakout video on the on the Houston-Utah is going to just run up and do numbers, but the Big 12's got so many interesting coaches and matchups that they're not going to get big noon, Tom. You're right, but I, I'm still, I can still get a little bit excited about it. Yeah, oh, yeah I think it's going to be a highly entertaining yeah. league. It'll be fun. I mean, more from the macro sense of looking. Yeah, at it, without like, like how many top fifteen games? How many yeah. top fifteen programs are we seeing right now in any of these mm-hmm. matchups on either side, non-conference or conference? Towards the end of the year, we'll have some because their records will dictate that the pollsters move them up. Sure. Are they actually top fifteen like power rating? Probably not in most cases, but some I think would be. Now, you, I do have a couple other takeaways here. Okay. Arizona State schedule is brutal. Yep. Have you looked at mm-hmm. this? I mean. Mm-hmm. Non-con is Wyoming, Mississippi State at Texas State. It's always important in the Big 12 games to figure out who plays five home or five road. They get five road this year. So have fun with at Texas Tech, at Cincinnati, at Oklahoma State, at Kansas State, at Arizona, and then mixed in with home games, Kansas, Utah, which print is tiny. Is that like a a true neutral site or something? No, it's in Tempe. No, yeah, I've got it as Tempe. All right, and then uh, UCF BYU. So they they so Arizona State has to play that non conference, which I already said is, is crazy hard. And they play Arizona, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, UCF, Utah, and Kansas and Texas Tech, which might be like five of the top ninety percent of the top half of the league. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. is insane. Uh, who who did Arizona State piss off within the league? Like I know. Uh, Man, that is. Uh, they looked at the roster and said, this team isn't ready anyway, so we might as well just hammer them over the head in this season so that, that way when they're ready, they got a winnable schedule. That's a good point. Like, Herm Edwards screwed that program over really hard. So you hire Dillingham because you're going to be, you know, patient with him. Um, it's probably like a five or six year type thing if it works. Get Don't it out of the way it. now. I mean, I, I'm sorry. I'm not going to just like drag him, but he might deserve it. Y- y'all see him talking about how he recruited Brock Purdy? Yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. Tell me. I heard just ask him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I said he went to Iowa, right? He said, said he was recruiting him really hard, but, you know, he ended up going to Iowa. So <laughs> they did recruit the brother Chuba pretty hard. So, like, I know, like, I don't think he's lying about that, but obviously, like, they didn't get him. Right. But Illinois I mean, that's recruited like Brock Purdy, too. They didn't get him. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's, I, I, I saw him early, I, I had him first. All right, Herm, what do you think about Antonio Pierce? <laughs> Does Colorado make a bowl? All right, let's see. Colorado, do they make a bowl? Their schedule Win total is four and a half, by the way. Well, but it's four and a half like juice crazy over. And then another minus site that we're not going to name has six juice under. Mm. I'm going to say they beat North Dakota State because North Dakota State, like last year, was not the same North Dakota State that we might be used to. Um, I have them losing at Nebraska. They okay. they can beat Colorado State on the road, although as we saw last year, might not be as easy as they hope. Uh, Baylor at home, yeah, it's one they gotta have. They yep. gotta have that. Yeah, UCF on the road, no. I think KJ Jefferson's gonna run them over like the tank. Kansas State at home depends on Avery Johnson, but I'm I'm gonna lean probably Kansas State at Arizona. No. Cincinnati at home. Gotta have it. Must win. Gotta have. Yeah. 
Texas Tech on the road is going to be tough. Utah at home, good luck. At Kansas, good luck. Oklahoma State at home, I don't know. It's going to be tough. They have to win the Cincinnati game. They have to win the Baylor game. They have to beat North. They, they have to beat North Dakota State, Colorado State, Baylor, and Cincinnati to even have a chance. I think they got to win in Lubbock. I've got that one. If they can go into Lubbock and win, you've at least like you know with Oklahoma State, you've got the variance, right? Like Oklahoma State capable of beating Kansas State and Kansas in back to back weeks, but also getting blown out forty five to three against UCF, like. If they can go into the Oklahoma State game in Boulder with five, then yeah. But I think to get to five before the last week of the season, you probably need to beat Texas Tech in Lubbock, and that would be the toughest one there. Ye of little faith. Uh, I, look, I, I'm <laughs> capable of separating my long-term doubts about Dion because they're not doing a damn thing at recruiting high school, and so I have real questions as to whether he's going to be there in 2025 or 2026. Well, because- his kids just bought him a house, so he's going to be there for a while. Well, I mean, sure, but he, he's got a ranch in in, uh, in in Texas as well with, with a nice fishing pond. I, I'm going to separate that from my evaluation of this team. I, I think this team will be better than it was last year. And last year, like, brand new coaching staff, brand new roster, literally like, hey, my name is, and just, like, they all got to meet each other. And, like, they could be better just from continuity for this year. I, I don't think that they're – I, I think a bowl is possible for Colorado. I will say I really this. Do. The offensive line, it would be hard for it to be worse. Yes, I, I agree. And they have brought in new guys. So like I think early in the season, it could be kind of a problematic. But overall, it's just going to be hard for that line to be worse than it was. Doesn't mean it'll be better. Who are the coordinators? Do we have a defensive coordinator yet? No, but they did go with uh, with Shermer for OC. That's which right. Is, mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, you want a quick sidebar story? Yeah. Yes. Last night I'm at a dinner, uh, this uh, buddy's house. There's probably like eight people at the dinner. Uh, there's a guy sitting there, and he's a trainer. He trains like boxers and athletes and stuff. And so he turns out he plays at SMU. We were talking about Baker Mayfield, and I said, "Oh, I said, were you at SMU when Baker Mayfield was at Texas Tech?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, "I played in that game. He lit us up." I was like, "I called that game uh, for ESPN. It was a Friday night game." And he's like, "Oh, no way." So we're talking. We hit it off. We had a good night. So we're, we're finishing up the night, and I was kind of saying goodbye to him. I'm like, where'd you go to high school? He's like, oh, I went to school in Texas. He's like, I actually went with Dion's son. He's like, we're super tight. We were roommates at SMU. And I said, which son? I was like, clearly it's not Shiloh or Shadur. And he goes, the one that roasts you on Twitter? <laughs> and, I, and I go, junior? And he goes, yeah. And I said, oh, I know him. And as soon as I said that, he like, it all clicked. And he goes, I know who you are. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh. And he like, he, cause I was like, my man called me a hoe. All right. Like I couldn't let that just go down. So he was dying. It was hilarious. It was good. He took a selfie. Like they're still boys. Like they talk all the time. So he took a selfie with us. I said, Hey, I said, tell him there's no law. Like I don't have a problem with him. It was a Twitter beef. It is what it is. Hopefully we're good. I said, I hope they're better next year. I said, I hope they're, and he's like, they're going to be really good. And I was like, well, <laughs> we better just end it there. I'm like, let's just end it on a good note. But uh, it was pretty small world type of story. It's pretty funny. Let's re- hey, listen, if you and if you and uh, and Coach Prime want to want to just you know air it out here on the Cover Three podcast, let's go. Let's go. Open invite. Let's there go. we go. I actually think it would be really fun. I think he'd do a fantastic I, job. I agree. Yes. I, and, and look, we're not hard to find. Right. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Coming up on the other side. The business of the day.
breaking down the coaching carousel. It was a robust one, 28 jobs at the FBS level changing hands. So what are some of the biggest storylines? And more importantly, what are the superlatives? The coaches taking on the toughest job, the surprise hire. Uh, and, of course, in the spirit of the Fornellis, some of our own. Next. Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast robert half research indicates nine out of ten hiring managers are having difficulty hiring if you have open roles chances are you're feeling this too that's why you need robert half our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Back here on the Cover 3 podcast, we've spent a lot of time talking about the coaching carousel from the 2023-2024 cycle. So before we put a bow on it, why don't we take one more spin on the carousel? Jeff, right, I'm begging you for the love of God, will you stop saying put a bow on it in wrapping up the carousel? You are okay. going to jinx it. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, listen, scandal or uh, untimed retirements don't count. How many NFL jobs are left? But I'm just saying if we never close it, then, you right. know, don't put it out no. there. Like no, the scandal no, no, still no. might happen. My content brain needs to be able to say stop and then we'll start it again. Like when Bob Stoops stepped away in what june or whatever that mm -hmm. was for a different cycle even though and to that point so i'm counting it at 28 hires at the fbs level counting david braun at northwestern 13 of those were at the power conference level 15 at the group of five level i'm counting oregon state rip pack two you are part of that 13. uh seven coaches are first time coaches not counting david braun there nine i like this one Nine of the hires of 28 were previously FBS head coaches, but not FBS head coaches in 2023. 
AKA retreads 32% of this cycle, uh, a former FBS head coach who was not now returning to that position, eight so-called lateral moves, uh, eight head coaches out of the 28 were FBS head coaches in 2023. But the number one storyline that jumped out to me as I was collecting all the different coaching changes and I was organizing them, we almost had a dud cycle. If Nick Saban doesn't retire and I mean, I know Jim Harbaugh was kind of like clean, but if Jim Harbaugh, it doesn't go to the NFL. If Nick Saban doesn't retire, then our most impactful are like Texas A&M, Houston and Michigan state. Like it, it all of a sudden, instead we're talking about new head coaches at Alabama, Michigan, Texas A&M, Washington, Houston, Michigan state, Indiana, Arizona, Tulane, San Diego state, San Jose state, like a lot, lot more sort of juice for us to dig into. Um, it thanks in part to Nick Saban's retirement and the dominoes that came from that. We I ready- still do think it was kind of a dud cycle. Cause I okay. do think the only real, exciting stuff and exciting is the wrong word was Saban and Harbaugh leaving like there wasn't a huge but we had three of the teams in the final four had coaching turnover that is the opposite that's fireworks like exploding in your face No fireworks fireworks is Ryan Kelly leaving Notre Dame for Oklahoma and Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma for USC like Nick Saban retiring yeah. is a bomb, but I don't consider them hiring Kalen DeBoer to be fireworks. I don't consider Michigan promoting Sharon Moore to be fireworks. It's yeah. We would have spent a lot more time on Mike Elko if Jim Harbaugh and Nick Saban are still at their same positions yeah. right now. <laughs> um, all right, let's uh, let's go ahead and get started with this. How about this? Real simple. The hire that will improve the win total the most. Who do you I'll go have? first. All right. I got Sean Lewis at San Diego State. I think that with his experience coming in and that program, just because it's been a decent, it's been a good program in the Mountain West for years, and it kind of started to slip recently. That's the reason the job came open. And I think him coming in, I mean, I don't, I don't think any hire that was made this cycle is going to improve a team's win total by, you know, four or five wins. But I do think it's the kind of hire where I feel like going into the first year, San Diego State might be in better shape than it was last year. So from that aspect, that's the one I put. I'm going to go with Bronco Mendenhall at New Mexico. Yeah, Uh, that's a good one. I I think that's the one that – well, Sean Lewis, uh, certainly over Brady Hoke, I I think. Uh, But Mendenhall at New Mexico, to me, that's a guy that can win at difficult jobs and almost seems to embrace the challenge of those difficult jobs. Like BYU has some unique challenges and opportunities as well, of course. UVA, certainly the same. Uh, New Mexico is a hard job, but I think he will win a lot more games than, than almost anybody else has there at New Mexico in recent memory. And you have your rival in-state having significant turnover uh, in this offseason. So that's a hell of a time to take the New Mexico job with, with Jerry Kill you know, getting out the paint there at New Mexico State. I got... Those are weak answers. That's I got weird. Jonathan Smith. I understand the conference is getting oh, tougher, but we're improving. Like our level of coaching is like is is improving dramatically. And again, like with with Mel Tucker being out for you know that was a week three, I think when he was he was finally dismissed. I mean the team was lost, but you no, know, you're talking about the the difference in a, in a win total. We are solidifying the program when it was unstable for much of the season, and we are getting what I think is based on his experience at um, 
at Oregon State, some real plus value coaching and being able to make the most of whatever the roster looks like. That team won four games uh, last season, went two and seven in Big Ten play. I think Jonathan Smith can get them to eight. And so a four-win improvement, I think Michigan State is one place where you would see it. I think we should have done, and we don't know them because we don't have the win totals, but who will exceed the expected win total as opposed to who will improve from last year's win total the most? I think those are the easy answers. That's why I think Tom and Bud took the easy way out. I had Jonathan Smith the first one for me. you know. But then then you start diving deep on the schedules because I really like Willie Fritz to Houston coming off a four and eight year. I love it. But then I look at their schedule. Like they better get UNLV Rice. And then all of a sudden it's the Big 12 schedule looks that much tougher. And you're like, where are these exceeding wins going to come from? But I do think... I think it'd become a little bit of a mess with Dana Holgerson. I think it's got some talent that he can bring in. I like him as a coach. So I, I think that program should be able to get at least two more, maybe three more wins in year one with uh, with Willie Fritz. But there's some tough games. Like, which one are they going to be? It's tough to, peg, to put a, you know, spot them. Those are two where I think that we pretty much universally agree that we've really liked those coaches for a long time and bringing them in should give an opportunity for there to be uh, a little bit of a quick turnaround. Uh, yeah. I'm oh, sorry. No, go, go, go ahead. I'm going to say mine for the last. I, I just, I, I have kind of a, an a overarching feeling about this cycle that I want to share later. Okay. Um, I, which coach is taking on the most difficult job? Jeff Choate. Nevada. I I mean, I, I think Jay Norvell told us everything you need to know about that job in terms of the level of financial commitment. So uh, either him or there's like two other ones here, but everybody gets a turn. So if you don't hit it, come back to me. I would have said Bronco Mendenhall. And I'd like to hire just like you guys did, but that is a tough place to win. Called a game there, you know, saw the facilities, saw the lack of fan support, kind of a dead atmosphere. There's not much tradition of winning. You really got to sell Brian Urlacher pretty hard. Um, it's it's just a hard place to win. I do like the hire, though, but I think it's going to be a project, a massive project. Did you see Diego Pavia peeing on the – never mind. Um, <laughs> my, my coach taking on the toughest job was also Choke, but I will go with my second-place finisher. I will go Bryant Vincent at yeah. Louisiana Monroe because that is another very difficult place to win football games. Man, I – so uh, ULM had a change in athletic director. I think that played a role in uh, Terry Bowden getting um, dismissed. Mm -hmm. And with the swiftness that the job was filled, it kind of feels like they've got some support behind him. I I don't have a great commentary on the specifics of the, the powers in Monroe, but I will say that reading the tea leaves, I would hope that whatever you're going to get out of the ULM school and the program – that at least right now, Bryant Vincent, somebody who took on that UAB job under really tough circumstances and I think did a good job with that group um, in that one season that he had, I, I would hope that he'd be able to uh, to maximize that right there. I got, I got, I got Trent Bray. Man, Oregon State's out here just lost in the wind with the scheduling agreement, you know? And you don't really know what the future is going to look like. There's all these powers above you that you don't really control. And the only thing that you can do is try to focus on this team. Anybody on your roster who pops during the season is going to end up getting, you know, recruited and, and getting ready for them to get poached. You're just managing 
so many distractions that are outside of your control, but yet incredibly impactful on your future there. And until we get a, a more clear idea of where the Beavers are going to be moving forward, I, I think that is a, I, I think he is a caretaker. I, I'm not, I am not sure that he is set up to be able to be the head coach there for four five, six years into the future. Interesting. Cause I, I, I agree it's a hard job, but I, I don't know that it is that much harder in the short term because they're still going to have better resources than almost everybody they play. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And he has familiarity with the roster. They, they, they're finishing up the stadium upgrades. Right. So I, I, I don't know. Like that's a really interesting way to think about that. And this is why it makes a good podcast. Right. So I, I, yeah, but the uncertainty is something as far as losing players, it, this might embolden their NIL, actually, right? Like their their donor base might be more fired up to keep guys, you know, be, because they feel like they were wronged. Uh, they're not a program that has like crazy NIL anyway, so like they already were at the risk of losing certain guys if uh, you know if they had an awesome season. Uh, power five level, power four. It's Kirk Signetti, power four. Duh, uh, Kirk Signetti, Indiana. Do you think that is more difficult than Syracuse? I had yes, because I think the ACC is easier. What's the goal? To make a bowl for Signetti? Yeah, it should be. Yeah, then, then yeah, it's harder. Yeah, it's, and I think that's going to be the expectation. I mean, Tom Allen did get him eight wins. He had six and two during the COVID year, and unfortunately, like those bars that are set, like that's what you have to try to match. Mm-hmm. And if you look historically over what Indian has been, they've been way below that. I just think it's a tough job. Who's their Who's their permanent rival, Tom? Do we know Purdue? Indiana, Purdue. Yeah, they I don't play for the old Oaken Bucket. Okay, so like that's at least reasonable. It's not like they they made up something where Ohio State was their annual rival now that they got out of the divisions. Um, but I will say Syracuse has somewhat fixed their non conference scheduling for the next couple of years. Like this year, Ohio, Holy Cross, UNLV, UConn. That's a bowl game type schedule I've ever seen one. Now next year they open in Atlanta or 25, they open in Atlanta with Tennessee. So that's, a that's a real smart move there. Syracuse. What are we doing? But orange uh, on orange. Let's go. Yeah. Um, uh, I mean, State. Tennessee will be like down 55 scholarships from this NCAA case by that. Well, this, so Syracuse will probably win that one. Uh, Mississippi state, I think is one we should mention here. I mean, the, the only two guys to have one there are, like some of the absolute best offensive coaches and actually like coaching coaches, not recruiters, but coaching coaches like of our generation. So you would Mike, be Dan Mullen and Mike Leach. And Mike Leach, yeah. yeah. Uh, in terms of winning there in the new, in the divisional era, which it's getting a little bit easier now, but that's still kind of a hard uh, hard spot to win at. Um, and I, I would throw in San Jose as well. I, I, I think – Give it a couple of years, we may have a greater appreciation for what Brent Brennan did there. Like that's not a place that has won historically at all. So this is less about resources and more about roster. With the exodus that occurred, um, do you in Harrisonburg? Excuse me. Do you think that? And you said Holy Cross. It, it popped for me. I think Bob Chesney has a tough job taking on a JMU program that wants the Dukes to continue to compete for Sunbelt championships in a difficult conference after Kurt Signetti leaves, the roster loses a whole bunch of talent. Ultimately, I think the answer is no because of the resources and the commitment that you've got from JMU to be really, really good. 
But I, I think Bob Chesney, from everything I've gathered at Holy Cross, was an excellent coach. And now uh, we'll see exactly how long it takes for him to be able to make sure there's not a big dip in performance. And uh, I, I just don't have a great feel for that to make it my superlative. But it is one thing that intrigued me as I was trying to go down the full list of changes and make some notes. I think between athletic department buy-in, talent in the area, James Madison's a pretty good job. I would tend to agree. Also, who who is the bully in that league right now? Because I, I, I think Troy is no longer that level of bully uh, with, with losing Summerall and that staff. Mm-hmm. Well, the whole West, they still use divisional formats, and the whole West yeah. is like Troy as a coaching change, South Alabama as a coaching change, ULM as a coaching change. Like, what, what or do we really expect the Cajuns to rise up and start to, you know, take it back to the Sun Belt Billy days? Like, they all lost their, they lost their quarterback to Houston. All of the weight right now is over there in the East where we're expecting like App State, James Madison, Marshall, uh, Coastal, like all those teams are just beating up on each other uh, in a way that I, I would agree there's no monster, but it's still tough. Like you you catch a bad run, you get some bad injury luck, you could wind up dropping two or three games in your division and finding yourself outside of the conference championship race. I think that's fair. All right. let's. Uh, what about the surprise hire? I'll uh, say Bronco me. Mendenhall coming Ooh. back. I know he was there, but it just seemed like he was, you know, remember, I mean, the, the conversation when he left Virginia was like he was happy. He was going to go live on a ranch and just kind of chill. Now he's taken on this massive undertaking of trying to turn this program around. That was pretty, you know, what? That was one of those reactions. I went with Niyama Tololo at San Jose State. Didn't really see that one coming. Makes and sense. What? And he's he not might- running the option, but it makes sense in the in the hindsight. Hey, he might not have either. Because that's another trickle down, right? He's only at San Jose State because Jed Fish goes to Washington and Brent mm-hmm. Brennan goes to Arizona. So then all of a sudden, Ken Niamatololo is like, okay, sure, I'll come be the coach. And sometimes those dominoes work out. Sometimes they don't. But that's a that's a, that's a good surprise hire name. I'll go Jed Fish to Washington. Um, I mean, I, I thought he was going to hold out for the Florida job because I'm, assu- I'm assuming Florida will have a new coach in 25. So. And, and he's obviously an alum and, and has been connected to that job behind the scenes by rumors or whatnot. So uh, I think the fact that he took Washington, that, that surprised me a little bit. Uh, a lot of these other hires just kind of made sense, and, and the guys had at least been connected to them early on in the search process, right? I thought Fran Brown was a little bit of a late yes. curve. Fran Brown yeah. at Syracuse after Matt Barry is like openly taunting Dan Mullen about like wearing orange during halftime shows. I'm like... Uh, what, what are we doing here, guys? You know, I, and I understand that they've got, you know, their own relationship. I'm sure they're playing out inside jokes on the air all the time, but I was, uh, I, I think that the, uh, the Fran Brown one was the one that I had for the surprise hire. That's a good one. I, I will say for the Jed Fish thing though, but I mean, considering his career, I'm not, I won't be surprised if Jed Fish leaves Washington after a year for the Florida gig. That's, that's totally fair. He's got to have a good year, right? That's the, it's gonna be the challenge. That's the yeah. thing is is yeah uh, they they lost a lot. I did not think that Derek Mason was a surprise hire. I don't know where Middle Tennessee goes, and if you've got if he picks House up the, in the phone, area, yeah, if if he picks up the phone and says he's interested, you know, bring back the former Vandy coach to be able to uh, to settle in and uh, see if he can he can help stabilize things. Maybe he wants to be there for seventeen years, like Stock still was. New Florida State assistant. Yeah, right. shout out returning uh, home. All right, let's uh let's let's go to the build your own. What do we have here? Uh I'll go my um 
my awkward stepdad hire, Kalen DeBoer, Alabama. Like, it's not a statement on whether or not he'll succeed or whatever long term. It's just going from Nick Saban to anybody else. If you're an Alabama fan, you're kind of like, wait, who who did mom bring home? Who is this? Who's in charge now? I'm supposed to listen to this guy. I'm, I, I, where'd dad go? So this is that that's an odd situation for me. Um, the culture shift hire, somebody we mentioned, Kurt Signetti at Indiana, because Indiana is actually showing interest in like spending money for its football program because they spent the money to get rid of Tom Allen and they spent the money to bring Signetti. And for if you're an Indiana fan, the last few years that has been, if you're an Indiana football fan, that has been one of the problems is a bunch of money has come into the Big Ten. Indiana hasn't really started spending like it yet. And I think this is a sign for them that they're finally catching on. Uh, bad feeling about this hire. I love this coach. I've loved this coach for years. I wanted him at Illinois years ago when the job came open. He was one of my top candidates for the gig. I just, Willie Fritz at Houston feels weird to me. I feel like there were so many better jobs that should have hired Willie Fritz over the year that passed on him. And I'm not trying to denigrate Houston or the program. It's just of all the places I thought he would end up when he finally got his quote unquote power five gig or power four. Now Houston was not near the top of my board. I'm a little, it's, it's just an awkward thing to me. I, I, it's a bad feeling. And then, so, Oh, go ahead. Oh yeah. Oh, let's I, sit on that. Yeah, because yeah, you yeah. brought it up and we didn't get talked about it a lot. Post Katrina, a lot of families from New Orleans were displaced and navigated to Houston and did not have the funds to move back. So if you recruit New Orleans, in many cases, you also recruit Houston. So like that's a major market that that staff has already recruited like for a long time at Tulane. So if it works at Houston, it's probably because like they don't need to go establish relationships in the city of Houston. Like that entire Tulane staff already recruited Houston heavily. So I just, it kind of popped in my brain. I was like, yeah. It's definitely a hard job, but I think it could work. Um, my new favorite team hire, loved his BYU team. He went to Virginia. I loved his Virginia team. I'm going to be a big New Mexico fan now. I'm just a fan of the way Bronco Mendenhall's teams play. They're, oh! they're, they're uh, borderline. They play through the echo of the whistle. It is, it is coached that way. It is taught that way. It is something I appreciate. And then... You know, I was talking, I was talking to a colleague yesterday, covers the NFL, doesn't work for CBS. And we'd been DMing for a long time. And finally he's just like, Hey, what what's your phone number? We could talk about this. And I says, Well, I, I, I give him my number. I says, but I'm more of a texter because I am. I hate talking to people on the phone. I'd much rather text. I hope this guy's a texter. Jonathan Smith, Michigan State. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> don't use the phone just, just, just say it all right jonathan i know that you're used to you know the situations involved with a phone that has records that can be called into public record. yeah <laughs> state sure. school state school yeah uh, what else do we got oh i think every team that fired its coach was either like net neutral or net positive in almost every situation, like very few where I'm like, okay, that's a clear downgrade. All right. So Texas A&M fires Jimbo Fisher, hires Mike Elko. They clear upgrade based on how Jimbo had been running that program. Yeah. Based, based on not Jimbo's overall career, but just like his stock price. Based on the Jimbo that A&M got from Florida State. Yeah. Uh, Houston fires Dana Holgerson, hires Willie Fritz. Yeah. 
Michigan State fires uh, Mel Tucker, uh, hires Jonathan Smith. Indiana, Kurt Signetti, upgrade on Tom Allen. Um, Mississippi State. Okay, Mississippi State. You think clear upgrade? Getting Jeff Levy in there? I said net neutral or clear upgrade. Like I don't know that I don't know that Jeff Levy is a better coach th- than Zach Arnett. I think it's very likely that he is based on how we saw Arnett coach in his limited time, but I don't know that. So but it's it's not a clear downgrade, certainly. Syracuse fires Dino Babers, hires Fran Brown. It's not a clear downgrade because we don't know if Brown can coach or not in terms of being a head coach. Right. Northwest there's zero chance all of these are going to be upgrades. Correct. But, but I'm saying like there's a lack of they really botched this in terms of they fired their guy and then they found out like, oh, that guy, this is a clear, bad hire. I mean, UTEP hiring Scotty Walden, who knows, right? I mean, look. I don't think Northwestern's an upgrade. No offense to David Braun. Right. Yeah. He had a very good first season. I just think that it's going to be very difficult to upgrade on the guy you replaced. New Mexico State was not a firing. Wyoming was not a firing. Buffalo was not a firing, even though... Yeah, I guess a performance-related firing is probably more important to say because mm-hmm. of the whole scandal know. of Michigan State yeah, yeah. and Northwestern. But, I mean, South Alabama wasn't a firing. Boise State did its midseason firing. Troy lost its coach. ULM was a firing. Bryant Vincent, Terry Bowden, upgrade? Yeah, I think Bryant Vincent did an excellent job at UAB uh, when he was there. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll say upgrade, or at least not a downgrade. Right. Um. Yeah, I would say that. You could, I mean... There, there's no head. There is no fan. How about this? There is no fan base who saw their school fire their coach, come out of the coaching carousel, extremely disappointed with their school. Right. Fair. I can take that. Mm-hmm. And I think um, in past years, that's not necessarily the case. I think some people sometimes, or even if the fan base is sold, we're sitting here. We're like, that's not a real smart decision, guys. Right. That type of thing. Yeah, and sometimes that's just because of the way the carousel plays out. The timing of hires, the guys you're interviewing, guys take other jobs, you miss out on candidates, and then all of a sudden you have to settle for something else down the line. Um, I think that how staggered this carousel was might have contributed to that. Like It didn't seem as totally chaotic with a bunch of stuff open, a bunch of people interviewing. It definitely had stages to the way that it all played out. Um, Any other final thoughts? Danny, you got anything that sort of just thoughts or a hire you want to highlight? I didn't have any quick, witty names for these superlatives. So if Jordan can keep along and type them all out. I had the don't compare me to that guy because we'll never do that again hires. I had several of them. Don't compare me to that guy because we'll never do that again. Kalen DeBoer at Bama. Like he could he could be awesome and he can crush it. They will never see another Nick Saban or that level of success. You know also I had it for? Jonathan Smith. Don't compare me to Mark D'Antonio. The run that D'Antonio had at Michigan State will never be matched. It's a different landscape. The Big Ten got tougher. Is Ohio State and Michigan both going to be down or dealing with issues while Jonathan Smith is there? Highly unlikely. So I say he's never there. And then I'll add in what uh, Tom just said uh, with David Braun. Don't compare me to uh, Pat Fitzgerald uh, Fitzgerald, because you'll never be that guy. All right, the old DCMTTGBWNDTA hires. There you go. Don't compare. I have one more. It's another long one. Are you ready for this one? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Give it to me. Uh, This one has to end with a question mark. Everything looks great, but are we sure this is going to work? 
I have Mike Elko for Texas A&M. Again, A&M might just be a really hard job. Everything looks great. I love the history that he's had. He's only coached at Duke for two years, and he did kind of inherit an incredible quarterback that brought them a ton of success. Like that he's got Colin Klein there. Like some of the pieces. I just think it's a really hard place to win. Like, is this going to work in five years? Are we going to still be here? And the other one I had, I hate to admit this, but Sharon Moore. Like, everything looks great. It made no sense. But are we sure this is going to work? Like, it is massive shoes to fill. The level of success they had. Look at how you kind of woke up Ohio State. Jim Harbaugh was the culture establisher. You lose Herbert, who was kind of his right-hand man. Like, it's going to be challenging for Sharon Moore to keep this team, you know, at that level of play. So... Those are my yep. two. Yeah, those are Danny's E L G B A W S I G W hires. Everything looks great. <laughs> or are we sure this is going to work? <laughs> no, I like that because C plus. I mean, that's in the C plus school, right? right exactly. Yeah, you know, like every hire is a C plus. We'll see. Or Tom Fernelli. It's a great hire. I have no idea how it's going to work out. The idea of taking on the Texas A and M head coaching job, in my mind, with my biases, sounds terrifying. I just. I, the expectations are through the roof. The passion is a sword that cuts both ways because they were able to fund you and give you resources, but then they're going to demand championships. And it is simply not a program that has competed for championships in the modern era. So are you, do you look yourself in the mirror and say like, yeah, I'm the guy. I'm the one that's going to change this or unlock this very, very difficult, but that's just me, you know, with my own biases right there. Do you guys like Connor Wegman? Everything you hear about him is good. Everything you hear is good, but like, when has he lived up to the the hype? Yeah, I mean the the Miami game, he threw it around decently, right? And then he got hurt. I I was shooting some early videos that are going to come out, and the amount of love for Connor Wegman uh, is substantial. If he plays up to that, Elko's going to have an awesome first season because they have a super cush SEC schedule. I mean, they draw Florida, Arkansas, Mississippi State, South Carolina, Auburn, Missouri, LSU, Texas. No Ole Miss, no Georgia, no Alabama, no Tennessee. I mean, that is if he no would have played up to his if he would have played up to his hype, we would still have Jimbo's coach. Right, that is fair. It, it it just may be like the program. Maybe is, that's why he didn't play up to his life. True. Yeah, and he was hurt. I love Craig's comment. I don't even know what this means. Love Wegman. He sucks as a QB though. <laughs> like, are you guys boys or something? Great you guys guy. Hang on the Terrible weekend? quarterback. <laughs> Great dude. Like we're. <laughs> I I think that if if we were to put all of the quarterbacks, he he's not on like the tail end where he is definitely ahead of lots of other quarterbacks. I think there are other power conference starting quarterbacks that you can replace. Maybe that's a Jag plus. He's definitely better than a Jag, but I, I don't know that I've seen in limited sample size, health and the like. I don't know that I've seen a lot where I'm like, that guy is, I don't think that I see him as the one who unlocks everything. I think he needs more around him. And that is a roster that has lost on the offensive side, some pieces of what made them really good in 2023. And we, don't know features like future SEC opponents, right? Like, do we know who, who you not when you play them, but do we know who you play in twenty five? Oh no, because you gotta you gotta leave spaces open for when you expand again. Well, right. Mm-hmm. So m- maybe they'll be like at Tallahassee, but um, 
they in 20 this is why it's so important for Elko to get off to a hot start because in 25 they go to South Bend and they're probably I would think going to play some of the teams I did not mention this year like Alabama Georgia you know th- those those type of teams Nico when he's a junior unless Tennessee's under like you know mega double super secret probation type stuff bombs into the stone age Tennessee's <laughs> program is going to get the death penalty and they deserve it they deserve it winners today every single coach who hired a new coach you didn't downgrade and billable hours big takeaways from wednesday's cover three podcast any other uh final thoughts bud you good yeah um pete limbo i thought did a good job like very late in the higher cycle or late in the cycle higher at buffalo he did a pretty good job when he was coaching in the mac prior i thought and I uh, you know gets off you know, get, gets a new deal. Who knows how long Beamer's going to be at South Carolina? So he, you know, kind of restarts his own coaching clock, uh, which I thought was, uh, I thought was pretty smart. And then he's gone and he hired, he's hired a bunch of guys who have been on like good Mac staffs, right in in the Mac. So mm-hmm. that's that's hard to like replace your coaches late in the cycle if you're Buffalo, but good on them. Also, yeah. Buffalo is like not an easy place to win, but it's been proven you can win there. Yep. Yeah. Good opportunity for Limbo, who, again, with Ball State, had a nice little run um, leading that program in the MAC. We will be back. We had, we had to dig into lawsuits. You know, we had, we had a lot of coaching carousel. Well, let's, let's pass the mic around, okay? We're going to do it with the mailbag. So Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time, when the stream goes live, you can jump in and start dropping mailbag questions so that we can hit them because we always want to involve the Cover 3 tailgate. But we also have another way for you to get to us, and that is the big old bag of mail. You leave us a five-star review. In that review, you put your question. We'll tackle it in a future mailbag episode. So come and hang out for another mailbag edition of the Cover 3 podcast Thursday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. And you can follow him on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You can follow him at Danny Canelli. You can follow him at, at Bud Elliott 3 Gentlemen, thank you very much. Thank you. See y'all. See ya. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.